All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. See you guys. I trust you had a good Christmas. Uh, I know that we did. Um, so, hope you guys did as well. Uh, this morning we are still in our Christmas series. We're not out of the month of, of December yet. Um, so we're still in this series, Christmas Reveals. And this morning, I'm really going to answer the question, did you learn the art of giving this Christmas? Did you learn the art of giving this Christmas? We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 this morning, looking at verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read uh, the first two verses. We'll go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll dive in to the message this morning. Beginning in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity to gather together as your church to open your word, to learn from it, God. As we do that this morning, we ask that you would help us to apply this message to our life, that we might leave here as those who are willing to self-sacrificially give of ourselves in 2020, Lord. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's no mystery that a lot of shopping is done during the Christmas season. And while we know that, looking at the numbers, looking at the statistics is still shocking to us. Holiday retail sales, I don't have the statistics for 2019 because we're still in there, but 2018, last year, holiday retail sales in 2018 surpassed $1 trillion. $1 trillion. Same year, U.S. households spend an average of $1,536 during the Christmas holiday period. 14.2% of Americans will sell their possessions in order to fund giving at Christmas or gifts at Christmas. 22% of Americans believe that they are going to go in debt during the Christmas season in order to buy gifts and other things during the holiday season for others. Experience tells us that Christmas is a busy time of year, but you really have no idea how much money is spent until you look at statistics like these. And I guess this is why retailers see this as their make it or break it time of year. Why you start seeing you know Christmas decorations out before Thanksgiving is even over, right? I mean, people want to make sure that they get their portion of the crazy amount of money that we spend every single year during Christmas. Now, statistics like these reveal a number of things, but, but two things that they reveal is that there's a whole lot of gift-getting that goes on at Christmas time, and there's a whole lot of gift-giving that takes place. One person who definitely fits into the gift-giving category is my sister. My sister has the nickname of Dallas Claus around our household. Her name is Dallas, and so we call her Dallas Claus because she gives so many gifts. I mean, more than half of the gifts that were around our tree this year for our kids, and even for us, came from my sister. Every single day, almost. I mean, there was some package that was showing up from her that was being delivered to our house. And, and maybe some of you are like my sister, right? Maybe you have the name of Santa Claus in your family. Maybe you are a, a big gift giver. Maybe some of you are known in that way. 
In a sense, that's, that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, as long as you're not going into debt, as long as you're not selling all of your possessions just to fund, you know, the Christmas giving that, that you are doing in your household, giving is not a bad thing. It is actually a good trait for us to be givers. And there's no better time than to learn the art of giving than, than this time of year. Christmas should be a time that we learn and that we begin the art of giving. And we can learn the art of giving from one another. You know, we, we often joke that, that my sister is, you know, Dallas cause, but, but really she is, she's a giving person. And that's not just, you know, at Christmas time, even though she likes to give a lot of gifts during Christmas time. Uh, she is a giving person all of the time. She comes across somebody as a need, she's going to help them out. One of her friends needs some money to pay their rent or pay their bills or, or whatever it might be, she, she's going to give that to them. She sees a dog that, that needs to be rescued or some sort of animal or a cat that needs to be rescued. She, she's going to rescue that dog and that cat. It doesn't matter how many she has at her house. She's going to do something in order to help that dog or, or to help that cat. My sister really is a giving Person. And we can learn a lot from other people as we observe them, as we observe their giving, as we observe them give their money and their time and their, and their resources and, and their energy. We can and we should learn the art of giving from one another. And so who do you know? You know, who do you know that you can look to in order to learn the art of giving from? I'm sure that there's someone in your family who is known as a giving person. And even if there's not someone in your family, there are many people in this church who are giving people, who give of themselves self-sacrificially, of their time and and their resources and and their energy self-sacrificially. And that's really what what I'm getting at, right? I mean, while while I kind of open with the idea of giving presents, what what we're really getting at, what I'm really driving towards today is the idea that that we give of ourselves. We give of ourselves self-sacrificially. And we can learn that as we, as we look to other people. And we should be people who give of ourselves all of the time, right? Not just, not just one time of year, not just some presents, but we should be, get, be, should be people who give of ourselves all of the time. Now, that, it, it, now, it's great for us to learn from other people, but really what needs to happen is we need to go a little bit deeper than that. We need to, we need to have a, a bit more of a solid foundation when it comes to giving. We need someone who can actually change us into gift givers, people that we're going, someone that we're going to actually look at. And so what I want to propose is that we must primarily learn the art of giving from the one who gave it all, who's Jesus. Jesus should be our primary example. Jesus should be our primary motivation because he is the one who has given it all so that we might experience all. Amen. And that's what the text is getting at here in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1, when Paul writes this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And we'll stop there for now. You see, Romans, the book of Romans is a, is a deeply theological book. I mean, but at its core, it deals with the gospel. You know, it's Paul's argument, it's his explanation for why the Romans need Jesus, for, for why we need Jesus, and, and how we can be a part of Jesus' family. And so how is that? I mean, how can we be a part of Jesus' family? Well, we can be a part of Jesus' family, by that phrase there, by the mercies of God. Now, mercy is defined as, or it means that, that, that we don't get 
what we deserve. We don't get what we deserve. And so that implies that we deserve something. And so what is it that we deserve? Well, we're sinners. We are rebels who sin against God all of the time. I mean, we want God's throne. We want to take him off of that throne and we want to control this world. We want to control our own life. We want to be the shot callers, right? We don't want God to call the shots. We want to be the ones who call the shots. We want to do things our own way. And as those who are sinners, those who have rejected God's right to rule over us, those who have completely rejected God and sinned against God, we deserve God's punishment. That's what we deserve. That's what we deserve. We deserve God's punishment. But again, God extends his mercy to us. He, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead, he gives us what we, what we don't deserve. He allows us to experience salvation instead of his wrath. He, he gives us eternal life instead of eternal death. And he does that by giving his son. But God the Father is not the only one who gives. Jesus, the Son, also gave. I know that Jesus is often depicted as a little babe in a manger this time of year, but, but Jesus didn't stay a little babe in a manger. Jesus actually is the all-sovereign king of this entire universe. Jesus is not just the king of a country. Jesus is the all-sovereign king of this entire universe. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus left his heavenly throne room. Jesus left his heavenly kingdom and he came to earth. And he didn't come as a full-born man, right? I mean, he didn't just walk out of the wilderness one day as some 30-year-old man. No, Jesus was born just like you and I. Jesus was a little babe. Jesus grew up just like you and I. Jesus faced the hardships of the teenage years. Jesus faced young adulthood just like you and I did. Not only that, but... Jesus wasn't born into a royal family. I mean, here is the, the cosmic king who was born into your average working class family. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was your average Jewish you know, girl from your average Jewish family. They didn't have a lot, but, but they got by. And then to make matters m- more humbling... Jesus wasn't born in some prestigious city. Jesus was born in Nazareth. Nazareth was, was not a prestigious city. Uh, it didn't have all the luxuries and all of the class and all the status as, as other cities did. Remember what, what Nathaniel said to Philip after Philip told his brother that, that he had found the Messiah. He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus lived like most of us. A relatively quiet life for 30 years until his ministry began. I mean, imagine that if you can. The creator, the cosmic king, the one who is in control over this entire universe, whose throne is not just located in a country, but whose throne is located in heaven, humbles himself and he becomes a man and he comes to this earth to die for us. For sinners who do not deserve that at all. For people who deserve nothing but God's wrath. And not only did Jesus give up his throne, not only did Jesus give up his royal life, but Jesus gave it all. If we fast forward 30 
30 or so years from his birth, we, we encounter Jesus at the top of Calvary, nailed to a cross, dripping blood, praying to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. There on Calvary, Jesus pays the ultimate penalty. The Father's wrath is poured out on Jesus as our sins are placed on Him so that we might have an opportunity to enter into Jesus' family. Not just so that, that God's wrath is taken away from us, even though that occurs, but so that we can actually be a member of Jesus' family. Jesus does that for us. That's the gospel. That is what we call the good news. The gospel. That those who are sinners, that those who are enemies of God, those who are completely opposed to God, those who deserve nothing but God's wrath, gets God's mercy instead. We get God's grace. We get salvation. We get Jesus who dies for us so that we might become a part of Jesus' family. Jesus gives all so that we can experience all, so that we can have eternal life. That is the good news. That is the gospel. That that is what is being packaged in this little phrase here in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, the mercies of God. As Paul wants us to look all the way back to what he has been talking about in Romans up to this point. Really sums up his argument. Paul, he, he, he directs us to that. God's Word directs us to that because He wants us to think on the Gospel. He wants us to be thankful for this news. He wants us to realize just how great a salvation it is that we have. And He directs us to focus on the mercies of God so that we might be givers. And we should be a giver rather than a taker. So look at verse 1 again with me. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so based on the gospel, based on Jesus' sacrifice, based on his gift to us, we should be givers. We should be givers because Jesus is the giver. Jesus is the one who has given it all. Now, of course, we can't die on the cross like Jesus. We can't give our lives so that others might experience salvation like Jesus can. And so we have to ask the question, well, well, what is it? What is it that we should give? Well, in the middle of verse 1, we learn what we should give when he says we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, now, when the text says that, it doesn't mean that, that we should just go and off ourselves. He's not talking about us committing suicide. He's not talking about us finding a cross somewhere and, and hanging ourselves on that cross. That's, that's not what the text is talking about here. That's not what we are to do. Instead, what we are to do is we are to give ourselves wholly and fully to God. We should sacrifice our will. We should sacrifice our wants. We should sacrifice our desires for God and for others. That's what we're getting at here when we talk about being a living sacrifice. We shouldn't just give part of ourselves. We have to give our whole self. We have to give it all to God. And so, so think about a lamb. I think it's an appropriate illustration. If you think about a lamb, 
You think about living back in this, this day and age when you would come and you would, you would bring a sacrifice. Well, you didn't just bring part of the lamb. You didn't show up and the priest just like cut the lamb in half and now it's just this lamb that's walking around like, like you know, we might have seen in anatomy class where you just get this cross section and, and you get half of the lamb back. That's not what's taking place. Half of the lamb is not put on the altar. The whole lamb is put on the altar. The whole lamb is sacrificed. The whole lamb is given. And that's the same when it comes to us. We don't just give part of ourselves. We have to give our entire selves over to God. We have to give it all to God. We must sacrifice everything. Commenting on giving ourselves fully, one commentator says this. God does not ask us to bring in our livestock and burn it on the altar. He asks us to give of ourselves, to put ourselves alive on the altar. To be a Christian means to live a life of sacrifice, a life of presentation, making a gift of ourselves to God. Some people think that all it takes to be a Christian is to scribble a check or to give a few hours of service here and there on special projects for the church. But that's not what believers are called to. My life is to be set apart and consecrated to God. That is what is acceptable to Him. That is what delights Him. That is what pleases Him. That is the appropriate response to Him and for Him. We give it all to Him, not to some, but we are to give it all to God. And when we give all, when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we are actually worshiping God. So look at what Paul says in the last part of the verse. He says, which is your spiritual worship, right? He appeals to you by the mercies of God to do what? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Set yourself apart to God. Be acceptable to Him. Follow your will. And we're told that when we do this, this is our spiritual worship. Some translations, you know, may say your rational service or your spiritual service. We are serving God. We are worshiping God when we give our entire selves over to God. When we allow God to direct our lives. When our desires, when our will, when our wants. When these align with God's desires and God's will and God's wants for our life. When we are serving others self-sacrificially, we are worshiping God. We have begun the art of giving. And of course, all of this is much easier said than done. Right, my, my father-in-law likes to say, you know, living sacrifices have this habit of crawling off of the altar. And isn't that true, right? Don't, don't we, we start with good intentions and we say, God, I'm going to sacrifice for you. I'm going to give all for you. And then we hit the next day or the next hour and we find ourselves crawling off of the altar because we want to serve ourselves rather than serve God or serve someone else. It's easy to say but it's not easy to do. You know, we have, we're, we're, we're sinners. You know, we inhabit this sinful body. And because of that, we are drawn back to the world. We are drawn back to self. We are drawn back to do what pleases us rather than what pleases God or what might serve someone else. And so we have to ask the question then, how can we stay on the altar? You know, how can we live... As a living sacrifice. When we have trouble standing on the altar, the first thing that we need to do is we need to meditate on the gospel. You see, Paul, he he appeals to the gospel 
for a reason here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He appeals to the gospel for a reason. He wants us to focus on the Father. He wants us to focus on the Son's gift to us. He doesn't say, double down and and give it your all and really try hard, pull up your bootstraps and get to work. That's not what he says here. He says, look, I'm appealing to you. I want you to be a living sacrifice because of the mercies of God. I want you to to think on the mercies of God. I want you, out of gratitude, not to pay for your salvation or, or to earn your salvation, out of gratitude, I want you to live as a living sacrifice. That's what one author says. All Christian living and ethics are ultimately rooted in a deep gratitude for what God has done for us. So that our every decision and our every action is a response to His mercy. Focusing on the Father and the Son's gift should not only teach us what it looks like to give, but it should motivate us to give as well. We should be motivated by the gospel to give of ourselves. And so if you're having trouble giving of yourselves, if you're having trouble living sacrificial lives for God and for others, then what we need to do is we need to motivate, we need to, to, to meditate on the gospel and allow the gospel to motivate us. And along with meditating on the gospel, we must be transformed rather than conformed. And so look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And we'll stop there for now. So we don't, we're not conformed, right? We don't, we don't allow this world to conform us and to shape us into its own mold. Because the world certainly wants to do that. The world wants you to be shaped by it. And the world is going to do whatever it can to make that happen. Right? But but God's word says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You know, everybody loves Superman, right? At least many of us love Superman. And, And I think... I think what we love about Superman, or at least what I love about Superman, is that he is able to transform from this ordinary person, Clark Kent, who's kind of nerdy, you know, into Superman in a moment's notice. To, to rush in there and save the day. All he needs is a telephone booth. All he needs is a back alley. Clark Kent is no longer Clark Kent. Clark Kent is now Superman. And I think we, or at least I, secretly wish that, that we could do that, that we could literally transform into something greater than ourselves in a moment's notice and just rush in there and save the day like we're some superhero, like we're, like we're Superman. While God's not calling us to be Superman, He is calling us to be transformed. Not into a superhero, but He is calling us to be transformed. If we're going to live sacrificial lives then we must be transformed. We must be transformed into those who are givers. And this doesn't naturally happen, right? We don't naturally say, hey, I'm just going to transform into a person who is going to live a self-sacrificial life. We must be transformed. And how does that take place? How how do we transform into self-sacrificers? How do we keep from conforming to this world? Well, look at verse 2 again. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 
See, in order for that to happen, our minds have to be renewed. We have to be made anew. And our, and our minds are primarily renewed as the Spirit works in our lives. God literally renews us from the inside out by changing the way that we think. Instead of, instead of us thinking that we know best, instead of us thinking that, that we've got it all figured out, instead of us saying, I'm going to direct my life and I'm going to live life how I want to live life and, and I got the best plan for my life, we begin to say, you know, God is all-wise. God is all-knowing. God is the one who should direct my life. God is the one who, sh- who has a plan for my life, who I should look to. We begin to read God's Word, and we desire God's Word, all because the Spirit is working in us to renew us. And so we begin to think these godly thoughts. We begin to look to God rather than self because of the Spirit. And because of that, we are going to be able to follow God's will, as well as we are transformed so that we might be willing to give up our rights. You know, and I think that's an important concept for us to get, because sometimes we'll say, oh, I'm willing willing to sacrifice everything. But then these rights come in and we're like, I've got a right to have a good life. I've got a right for my kids to go to this school and I've got a right for me to work in this, you know, sector and to work in this job. And I've got a right to do this and to do that. And and all these rights that, that we say that we have start to get in the way of us sacrificing for other people. But if we're going to be people who give, then we must be willing, then we have to humble ourselves. And we have to be willing to give up our rights. And if we don't, it's going to be hard for us to live fully self-sacrificial lives. So, so just take giving of our resources as an example. One author I was reading lately noted this. One of the reasons giving up our resources is so difficult for us and often spectacularly ineffective is because we try to give away our resources while clinging to our rights. That's the opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus set aside his rights before he gave up his resources. And it's necessary that we do the same. We've got to be willing to give up our own rights if we're going to live a self-sacrificial life. Because it's going to get in the way of us living these self-sacrificial lives if we're not willing to do that. But again, in order for all of that to happen, our minds must be renewed And our minds are primarily renewed as the Spirit works in our life to renew our minds. But the Spirit is not the only one that's working. Even though the Spirit is the primary worker, that doesn't mean that that we don't do anything. We are also to work alongside of the Spirit in order to renew our minds. We must read God's Word. We must pray. We must hear the preached word. We must gather together with one another in Bible study. We must meditate on the scriptures. We must memorize the scriptures. And as we do these things, then our minds are beginning to be renewed as well. And so the spirit works and we work. And and in order for us as a church to use these means of grace, right? God's word and and prayer, and Bible study, and things like that. What I want us to do as a church is to embark on a year-long scripture reading plan. 
New Year's about to begin, you know, in just a few days. And so uh, many of you may be looking for a new scripture reading plan for this next year. And I want to encourage you to hop on this plan that, that I'm going to provide for you. Um, you may not be familiar, but the guys over at the Bible Project have this amazing amount of resources as well as they have a scripture reading plan, and they also have an app that you can utilize that, that will just put it all in there for you. And so this week, what I want you to do is I want you to look in your emails, because I'm going to send everybody an email uh, that signed up for our newsletter. Look on social media. I'm going to post some stuff on there that, that links you to this plan. I want you to download the app if you have a smartphone. You can sign up for an email that will come each week that will give you exactly what you're supposed to read that week. Links that you can click on to go to different videos that you can watch that will help you to understand the scriptures as well. Or if you don't do any of that stuff, there will be paper copies that you can pick up that you can just check the box off as, as you read along in your own copy of God's word. And, and I think if we do this together as a church, this will help us to be accountable, right? If you know that other people are reading scripture and you're on the same scripture reading plan and, and you come and you ask one another, hey, how, how's it going? How's the scripture reading going for you this week? And if you're like five days behind, you're going to be like, ah, it's not going that well. So hopefully it will motivate you to kind of keep up with that. But, but as we do that as a church, that will help us to renew our minds. That will help us to be givers rather than takers. It will help us to, to live self-sacrificial lives. Amen. And so I really want to encourage you to hop on that. Look for, look for some stuff this week and we'll be able to get started together as a church um, at the beginning of the year. So as the Spirit works, as we work alongside of the Spirit, we're renewed. We're transformed from selfish takers to self-sacrificial givers. And so my hope is that this Christmas you, you're able to learn the art of giving from one another, from the one who gave it all, who's Jesus, the one that we've been focusing on through this entire time. And so instead of taking, instead of being a consumer in 2020, be someone who gives. And not just someone who gives presents to others, but someone who gives of, uh, gives, uh, uh, gives of themselves in God's service. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.